Let's open our Bibles this morning to Daniel chapter 12, verse 5, where Paul was reading for us a little bit earlier. And I'm going to take a little time before we read our text. Um, I've called the morning's message on the precipice, looking back and looking ahead. Uh, For you who are new to the fellowship, every year on New Year's Eve, we have a special prophecy update. This year it just happened to fall on a Sunday. So what we usually do on a weeknight, we'd have maybe a testimony or a concert, and then I'd give a Bible study on um, prophecy and current events. I've called this one on the precipice for a reason, looking back and looking ahead. And what I'm about to do now is uh, when we visit Israel, we go to the city of Nazareth, and uh, there's a story where they did not like what Jesus was saying. And it says they took him to a high place and they were gonna throw him off a cliff. And it's there, when we visit Israel, we actually go to, I'm not saying that this is a genuine site, but it is in Nazareth, and this is what it looks like. I'm gonna show you two pictures. The first one here is uh, the, the drop-off. And what you're looking at, Jesus grew up. We know that from the ages of 12 to 30, he was submitted to his parents. And this is where he grew up. And he had this view and probably looked at it on a daily basis. And this is uh, what they call the precipice. And what you're looking at, and this is what blows my mind, is if you'd go straight across the country of this part of Israel towards the ocean, or the Mediterranean Sea, you would run into Megiddo. In other words, what he would look at every day is a place he's gonna come back to someday where the Battle of Armageddon is gonna be fought. And when I realized this and thought it through that the Lord actually looked at this place on a daily basis, um, when we go, this is one vantage point, but I'll show you where the people sit on this next one. We'll leave this next one up. Oh, that was where we sat. This is actually a picture of um, the drop-off that's there. So imagine in your mind's eye, they called this place the precipice. Um, And they were ready to throw the Lord off and kill him. But it's interesting, it doesn't give any real explaining or explanation. The Bible just says he walked right through. I mean, they were ready to do it. But he just walked right through the crowds End of discussion, doesn't give us any more information. So I'm gonna begin and end with that thought. On the precipice, looking back and looking ahead. But we're gonna leave this picture up through um, the study because we're actually gonna close with a little different slant on the meaning of it to you and I. So if you're in Daniel chapter 12, five through 13, Um, I'll reread what Paul read and comment on it briefly. But before I start, I gotta tell you that um, um, I feel like Jeremiah. And if I would read Jeremiah chapter one, the Lord is calling him. And he's gonna have the same message for the next 40 years. And it was a message that he did not wanna give. And he asked the Lord, he says, I'm not qualified for this because this is not a pleasant message that you're wanting me to give. 
For 40 years, he had one message, and that was that Jerusalem would be attacked by Babylon and completely and utterly destroyed. They don't call Jeremiah the weeping prophet for no reason. The people hated the message. They said, don't tell us things like this. Tell us pleasant things. Now, he was a prophet called by God. He spoke what God told him to say. When he said he was unqualified, the Lord said, don't worry about it. I will put the words into your mouth. You just tell the people what I tell you. And so as I get ready to deliver this message this morning, I have to admit to you, it's not a pleasant message. When we get to Matthew 24, it's actually the beginning of sorrows. And yet, it's truly what God's word has to say. And for 40 years, he was faithful. They would throw him in pits, and they would leave him there. And, uh, but who was popular were the false prophets. They would say things like, don't listen to Jeremiah. Uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Jerusalem being destroyed, the city of God? Not gonna happen, don't worry about it. Well, it did happen, and everything that Jeremiah said was true. Was it easy for him to give this message? No. Was it a message from God? Yes. So with that much of a background, I want to share just a little bit with my heart on you. Usually what we say is, Happy New Year. Well, this isn't one of those Bible studies. But there is a blessed hope that we're gonna talk about uh, so that we'll get to that eventually. But let's read it and I'll comment um, about what Paul read earlier for us and explain some things. Verse five of uh, Daniel chapter 12. Then I, Daniel, looked and there stood two others, one on this river bank and the other on the other river bank. And one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, how long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a times, times, and half a times. Most of you are aware that we're referring to that three and a half year period spoken about in the book of Revelation. Sometimes it's called times, times, and half a times. Sometimes it's called 1,260 days. Sometimes it's called 42 months. And sometimes it comes right out and says three and a half years. So take your pick. But they're all saying the same thing. Daniel's using the terminology here that it's gonna be for times, times, and half a times. Times singular, one year. Plural, two times, that's three and a half. There you have your three and a half years. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, we're not talking about the church. We're talking about the nation of Israel. All these things will be finished. Although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise, they'll understand. For from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away, we'll be alluding to this a couple times, 
Jesus talks about it, Matthew 24. Um, Thessalonians talks about it. When the Antichrist goes into the house of God showing himself that he is God, there's a term for that that's called the abomination of desolation. It happens three and a half years into the seven-year period of time. Um, And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away, the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335th day, but you go your way till the end, for you shall rest and you will rise to your inheritance at the end of days. Daniel wanted to know. And the Lord said, I'm sorry, Daniel, it's gonna be sealed and it's not gonna be understood until the last times. So this morning, we're going to look back over the past couple of years and see how drastically our world has changed and then look ahead at things that will be unfolding in 2023. I purposely chose the word unfolding to give you the idea of unsealing that Daniel is talking about here. They're gonna be shut up and sealed until the time of the end. And then give a biblical perspective of the events that are unfolding and how close we really are to the blessed hope of the rapture of the church. I've chosen Daniel chapter 12 as sort of a starting point for looking back and looking ahead because the Lord tells Daniel that these things are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Daniel wanted to know, but the Lord um, clearly says, not now. It's not gonna be able to be understood until the very last days. What we are seeing today, right now, is the unsealing of these events. I can only skim the tip of the iceberg with the amount of information where it's like a giant puzzle, but all the pieces are coming together. I had to come in on Saturday because of the events that happened two days before and add to my notes because things are so quickly unfolding that I had to rearrange some notes because things that have happened just within the last two days. A big one that just happened yesterday. So I was scrambling and changing notes. So what we're seeing today, um, those who are wise will understand. I believe that that means those who are born again. And I think Chuck mentioned it as he was talking about witnessing to somebody. You can witness to somebody that isn't born again and I think you use the terminology that you get the deer in the headlights look, what in the world are you talking about? Um, because the natural man, the ungenerated, the non-born again man, they won't, won't get it and they can't get it because they're not born again. But talk to any believer anywhere in the world who is born again, if they don't know, they wanna know because they have a hunger to know these things. Uh, we live with an incredible opportunity because I believe it's so late, I don't know how much time we have left. I'll, I'll tell some personal stories during this. I didn't sleep two nights ago because Chuck had just gotten into town. He was in bed. And I got a phone call from my cousin up in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. And um, when I get calls like this and she says, I have bad news, um, 
Um, I know what's coming. My favorite cousin, um, Denny Crandall, um, had a stroke and died. And he was my favorite cousin. And I remember the last time talking with him. Um, we had talks because my grandmother would have amazing supernatural appointments with the Lord. And she would share them openly. But I did not know where my cousin Denny was at. And I remember leaving the house and the Lord telling me, this is the last time you're going to see him. And sure enough, that was the last time I was going to see him. And I honestly have to tell you, I had a good night's sleep last night. Oh, it was wonderful. Only because I got no sleep the night before. Absolutely none. I wrestled back and forth all night because I couldn't handle the thought thinking he wasn't saved. I witnessed to him because I figured it would be the last time. I don't know if or how he received any of it, but at least I don't have that on my conscience. I, I tried to give it my best shot in um, explaining who the Lord is and so on and so forth. So it's one of those I don't know areas, and I just um, trust in the Lord and hope that the words that were spoken to him got through. All right, back to the study. Um, also here in Daniel chapter 12, it's primarily talking about the last three and a half years of the tribulation. In Matthew chapter 24, which I'm gonna have you turn to right now, is gonna be the other sort of stepping stone that we're going to use to um, tie together current events But what I want to do in starting off is Jesus mentions the same thing that Daniel talks about. Okay, if you're living in Jesus' time, I'm going to be using this terminology quite a bit this morning, looking back. So now the disciples come to Jesus, and Jesus was telling them about the temple. And he said, you see this temple? Um, There's not going to be one stone left upon the other. And so they began to ask questions. What do you mean? The temple, there isn't gonna be one stone left upon the other. He doesn't address the question they ask. He gets sidetracked and gives other signs, but before I get to the other signs, I want you to pick it up um, in verse 15, because he gives credibility what Daniel told us in chapter 12. He says exactly the same thing. I read, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, standing in the holy place, whosoever reads, let him understand, in quotations. So in other words, stop and think about what was just said. Whosoever reads, let him understand what Daniel was talking about is true. I'm clarifying it, future tense is going to happen. Looking back, it's sealed. Now Jesus is saying, start looking forward, but he's not talking about the destruction of the temple. Oh, he is, um, um, no, he's going future, and he says, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now he's giving instructions on what to do when this event takes place. Daniel wanted to know. Now Jesus is giving clarifications on what to do when it happens. When the abomination of desolation takes place, 
Then flee to the mountains. Let him who is in the housetop not come down to take anything out of the house. Let him who is in the field not go um, take his clothes. Woe to those who are pregnant. Why? Because it's hard to run away when you're pregnant. And those who are nurses and babes in those in days. Pray that your flight may not be on the winter or on the Sabbath. If you're Jewish, you could only go for two-thirds of a mile on a Sabbath. And there are those who say, we can't run. And the law says we can only go two-thirds of a mile on, on the Sabbath. And then it says there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor ever shall be. Will you let that just set it? He's saying when this event takes place, literally, all hell is gonna break loose. It'll be a time like no other time in history. And he goes on to say, and unless those days are shortened, no flesh will be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. And I'll just leave it there. He's not answering the disciples' question. The temple stones being thrown down? Well, tell us about it. What, what, do, you, what do you mean? And he doesn't really address it here. But what he does do is talk about other things that I want to gravitate back to. Um, let's look at Matthew 24, picking up in verse 5. He gives certain things to look for. Remember, the Lord has always talked to us to watch for his coming. And my question always is, watch for what? Daniel wanted to know. But now, we've been told, because of Matthew 24, what things we're to be watching for in the times that would be the unveiling, or unsealing. Take heed, number one, the very first thing he says, take heed that no one will deceive you. For many will come in my name saying I am Christ and will deceive many. I'm doing this off the top of my head because I just heard about it this week and you can do your own research on it. This is not in my notes, this is off the top of my head. There are rabbis in Jerusalem that are declaring that the Messiah is imminent simply because they're excavating the Pool of Siloam. Now when we go to Israel, we go to the Pool of Siloam. It's uh, down past um, the Temple Mount, and you, you go downhill all the way, and we have a Bible study there, and you see a little section of the Pool of Siloam. But I always point out, this is just a part of it. The real Pool of Siloam is over that little fence, and it's a lot bigger. So what they're doing is they're excavating the remains of the Pool of Siloam. Remember when the blind man was, uh, uh, had mud in, in his eye and the Lord told him to go wash it down by the pool of Siloam? Well, that's where he went. Well, because of this, the rabbis are saying this is a sign that the Messiah is coming. Well, I don't know where they get that, but you know, if you're a, a, a rabbi, you carry some weight and authority and the people take heed to it. But that's not true. It's a deception. And the biggest deception here is many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ. That's this week, my friends, that they're excavating the Pool of Siloam, and they say, because of this, the Messiah is on his way. Well, that's a deception, because that's not what my Bible teaches. All right, going on, and will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. We'll come back to that. And you uh, see that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, 
but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be, notice, famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in different places. And notice he says, these are the beginning of sorrows. I would like to begin um, by tackling two major events. Um, Deception and pestilence is where I want to begin this morning. Looking back over the past two years, the world has been turned upside down. We were told that the COVID scars, CO-VA, created a pandemic and that we needed to take a vaccine to prevent serious physical effects, even to the point of death. Now what we've learned and what has now been documented by our own government under unclassified, unclassified papers, and I'm gonna be reading an article from uh, Karen Kingston, who was an employee at a high level at Pfizer, um, and what I just read to you, we're finding out, and people are coming out more and more every day, and uh, saying that this is the biggest fraud that's ever been perpetrated on mankind because it's all a lie. I'll let it settle in. It's all a lie, and I got proof. Um, A month ago or two, you could say to me, well, Dwight, that's your opinion. You you got a right to your opinion. And you could say, I have a different opinion. And I'd say, fair enough. But now it's different. Now I have documentation from our own government, and week by week, more and more, People are coming out, and the veil's being unlifted on what's really going on. This is a lie, and now we have documented proof. It was designed to do one thing, to kill as a bioweapon, and I have more than one source. And this is where I challenge you to be your own Bereans, because what I've just stated now is more than my opinion. From our own unclassified documents, to leading people that worked at Pfizer. And I'm just gonna read a short article. The FDA criminally approved bioweapon as a safe and effective vaccine by Karen Kingston. FDA criminal approved bioweapon as safe and effective by Karen Kingston. This is December 24th, so this is very recent. Karen Kingston is a biotech analyst and former Pfizer employee who has researched and written about many aspects of COVID-19, the vaccine. It now becomes obvious with dramatically rising death and injuries that CV-19 injections were bioweapons passed off as life-saving vaccine. Kingston has many documents from the government and vaccine seed manufacturers to prove this point. Kingston says, in America, you cannot legalize murder. The original timeline was they were going to submit for FDA approval for the COVID-19 injection in June of 2025. Because they were trying to push the mandates and the Americans were saying you cannot mandate an experimental product, they said. Oh, it's now FDA approved. They moved that timeline up exponentially. The reason why this is a problem 
is that it, it is a legally distinct from an emergency use, is what they called it, product, once the approved happened on August 23rd, 2021, that broke the liability shield for the emergency use product. So the FDA fundamentally and criminally approved a bioweapon as a safe and effective vaccine. People were under the impression they were getting an approved product. They were actually getting a bioweapon. If they never had done the approval, you could not bring these charges against Pfizer. And there are dozens and dozens of them as well as criminal charges. Call these shots what they are. They are bioweapons. I don't care what our government said in the past. I don't care what the little memo they got from the HHS uh, or their employee. What they have done is wrong and they need to be held accountable for it. Uh, you don't know this gal, but I know Curtis Bauer, and I know Agenda, and an article that he came out with this week. And you can, he has his weekly program, uh, Curtis has been here, and he has his weekly broadcast, where he speaks about it this, this week, where he says, he's quoting an article by Ed Dowd, D-O-W-D, Estimates that 2.7 million Americans are killed or disabled by COVID vaccine each year. Tell, I'm going to make it personal here because that's just a number for a lot of people. 7,500 a day are killed or disabled because of the mandates that a lot of you were given an ultimatum. You get the jab or you don't have a job. Or people laying off because of um, the domino effect that it has had because of the closures of businesses, etc. people losing their jobs and everything. I want to make it personal. I get a phone call, oh, about a week and a half ago from my cousin Vicki up in, up in Stevens Point. She knows the Lord and she says, Dwight, I want you to put um, her brother, my cousin, Aaron's wife on the prayer line. Her name's Mandy. They had to rush Mandy from Stevens Point to Green Bay because she had water building up around her lungs and her heart. And when they got to Milwaukee, it was too serious for them to handle, so they had to take her all the way down to Milwaukee. We're in prayer mode right now. And I just told her, of course we will. We'll put her on the prayer chain immediately but they did get the vaccine. And according to my cousin, she believes it's the direct result of taking the vax. They're young people. He's in a car dealership up in the Stevens Point area. Then I'm looking down here at um, something that's been unclassified from the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency in Arlington, Virginia. And I'm just gonna read one paragraph. It's a lengthy document documented what's been unclassified, and that is that SCARS-CoV-2 is an American-created combination back vaccine virus. Now let let me say that again. This is an American-made product, an American-made product that was shipped over to China. 
the one who were that place over there. But I want that to sink in because what's happening right now is if we lose Mandy and um, more and more people, everybody here knows somebody that has either passed away or has serious side effects from the shot. It affects people in different ways. And um, as a result, though, what's going to happen, what I believe eventually, when the world finds out, and it's being declassified right now, let's say it's your wife. Let's say it's your husband. And you come to the conclusion, you find documentation, and you said, wait a second, did you say we created this? And you have proof that we created this? How are you going to feel about that? How do you think when people realize what kind of emotions are going to come up? You created, the United States of America created COVID-19 and unleashed it? What do you think the rest of the world is going to think when this information comes out? What kind of reaction are they going to have? What do you think they're going to think about the United States of America and our administration? for allowing, with full knowledge, allowed this thing to be bypassed and given emergency approval, clearing them of any liability problems. And so it's out there. So this is part of the looking back part of the Bible study this morning. And just one, one point, I'll finish the article from the unclassified documents. Um, it was created by the Echo Health Alliance Program at the Wan Institute uh, Virology as suggested by the reporting surrounded by the label leak hypothesis, the details of this program have been concealed since the pandemic began. These details can be found, and you might wanna write this down, Echo Health Alliance proposal response to DARPA um, preempt program board agency and then it gives this long BBA number, HR 00118500017, dated March 2018, a document not yet publicly disclosed. Since then, has been, because this goes back to 2018, but since then now, the whistleblowers are coming out. And this one gal from Pfizer is just one of them. Looking ahead, China locked down Shanghai. They forced all the people, they couldn't leave their house. They locked the whole city down. I don't know how big, but it's more than a million people. Because of the mandate, you're saying you're not going anywhere. And they completely shut it down. Now let's look ahead a little bit because what's happening right now, this is as late as Tuesday, December 22nd, looking ahead. The title says, China moves to ease COVID travel restrictions, lifts hope for global economy. Now, I'll read just a paragraph. China's decision to ease rules on travel in and out of the country, the world's second largest economy, has offered investors hope that it could soften the toll for higher interest rates on a global stock market and unblock supply chains and... um, a dark outlook for 2023. Chinese authorities said late this last Monday that inbound travelers would have to quarantine on arrival and they're gonna start doing this. Today is the first, 
one week from today. One week from today, they're gonna drop the bans and they're gonna allow their people to leave China who have been locked down and uh, they're gonna come out and say, and eventually learned that they've been locked down for so long, now they're able to travel wherever they want to. What do you think they're gonna think when they find out that we're the ones that made it in the first place? And it's really a planned pandemic. What kind of emotions are they gonna feel? It goes on to say, the announcement marked the latest in a series of steps to reopen the country, which is home to the virtual global supply chain and 1.4 billion people. That's looking ahead, one week. And um, um, it'll be interesting to see if people even allow them to come to their country. Let's go back to Matthew 24 and switch from the singular event that has happened in our world that we've never seen before, not on a global scale. Has our world been changed as it has been in the last two years? All right, Matthew 24, verse six says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come in the past, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. So let's just talk about wars and rumors of wars that are uh, unfolding. Um, First of all, of course, the main one that um, people are talking about on a daily basis is um, the war between Russia and Ukraine. I have to just pause a moment because if you're listening to David Muir or any of the stations, sometimes Fox gets it right, um, you get the idea because uh, Zelensky was just having a meeting with Biden just a couple weeks ago. And uh, gee, what kind of connection is there? Well, what's happening and the reason for this war is if you ask the Americans, we've spent over $54 billion sending arms, soldiers, and equipment into Ukraine. We have 100,000 troops that we've sent to this war in support of Zelensky. Zelensky is a puppet put in by our government And again, I'm going to ask you to be a Berean and do your own research. My heart goes out to the Ukrainian people. For as I speak to you this morning, 90% of their electricity is out. 90%. And you'd get the impression, if you're listening to the news, that Ukraine is winning the war against Russia. Not even close. They're rolling over Ukraine right now, and they're just taking off the gloves. Because they've tried their best to negotiate. Putin has. And he doesn't want a nuclear confrontation. So he's trying to make agreements. So I have to give you a little background on what's called the Minsk Agreement. And this was an agreement, this is dated December 30th, so this news that I'm about to tell you, that's how fresh it is. December 30th is what, two days ago? Okay, so what I'm sharing with you is reporting um, something that... um, Uh, The Minsk Agreement was an agreement between Russia and NATO um, that they would um, uh, have cordial agreements between each other, keep trade open, so on and so forth, as long as NATO would not move any closer 
to Russia. Well, let me tell you, uh, let me just read this. I'm looking at a picture right now of Putin, um, Chancellor Merkel, and the ex-president of France. The headline says, former president of France admits the Minsk agreement was to deceive Russia, allowing Ukraine to build for war. That's what Zelensky's been doing for the last four years. He is a Nazi. His leadership and government are Nazis, not the common people in the street. The common people in the street, if you're in the Ukrainian army and you want to surrender, you'll get shot in the back by another Ukrainian soldier who was a Nazi. 27 million people were killed, Russians were killed by Nazis during World War II. Let's say you're an average Russian citizen and you see NATO not keeping their plans. I'll go on to read here in the interview with the Kiev Independent, uh, former President France, Franco Hollande, claimed that the Minsk Agreement has brought Russia to diplomatic territory, leaving Kiev's army many times to strengthen, an admission contradicting the peaceful declaration of the time. While Vladimir Putin was advancing in Dubosk and using the pro-Russian separatists, now they're saying we attacked Ukraine. That isn't what happened at all. These two breakaway states on their own free will voted, had a referendum, and they asked the Russian government if they could be annexed back into Russia of their own free will. Russia said yes, and the four years between 2014 and the current time, on a daily basis, there were Ukrainian troops bombing civilian targets, and this went on for year after year after year, and the people said, we've had enough, we want out. And so they're painting in America press that Putin is the bad guy and wanting to take Ukraine, and that's not the case at all. Uh, These officially became property of Russia. And again, I ask you to be Bereans, but it's not just the French president who said this. Um, We find that uh, the former French president aligned himself with um, Angela Merkel, who on December 7th, now I mentioned this several weeks ago, she went on public TV in Germany, the German chancellor, in an interview at Dizet TV, claimed that the Minsk agreement had been an attempt to give Ukraine time to strengthen militarily for a future confrontation with Moscow. Jesus said there'll be wars and rumors of wars. I'll just leave it as, is is it a war? Have they declared war? At the very least, we have to admit, it's a rumor of war. I heard um, reports this week, um, and I gotta be careful here because I'm waiting for further clarification on this. Um, On December 27th, um, from a source that I respect because of classified information that uh, um, what could have happened is that NATO actually invaded Ukraine from Poland. 15,000 troops. 
having direct combat with Russian soldiers. The implications now, if this is true, is that Russia could actually declare Article 5. Poland is a NATO nation. I'm not going to take it for granted that everybody here understands what Article 5 is. Article 5 is a, a group of nations that have made a covenant with each other that if that country is attacked, the other NATO nations have to come in and help them strengthen up. Well, since the Minsk Agreement, there's been at least 10 to 12 to 13 NATO countries that became NATO nations closer to Russia. There was only one more remaining. Guess which one that was? Ukraine. And so I compared it to the Cuban Missile Crisis before, and I'll just touch it in a second. When JFK saw the Russians coming into Cuba, he says, you better turn around right now or we're taking out everything you got in Cuba. Russia blinked. They turned their ships around and went home. Why? Well, from Cuba to Washington, D.C., with a nuclear weapon is a little less than five minutes. And they said, we're not going to stand for it, so you better go home. Let's turn the tables. Now you're Russia. There's a minced agreement that says, we're not going to move any more NATO nations closer to, to Russia. They lied. The French president just came out a couple of days ago and said so. Merkel came out on the 7th and said exactly the same thing on national TV. It was all a rouge. We lied. We lied so we could buy time to build up Ukraine, to fight a war, to make Ukraine a NATO nation. Put yourself in Putin's shoes. And what do you think? What do you say? I got a picture of this meeting that, that just taking place. I asked um, Eva, Puntry, Puntry, um, because she's from Poland, she knows people that live on the border. And I asked her if she'd look into it for me and see what she could find out. And she said, I told her what I had heard and I asked her if she knew people in places to get any sort of verification. She uh, did get back with me. She said, Dwight, there's a lot of clamor and anxiousness going on in the border between Ukraine and Poland. But I cannot verify that we've actually gone into Poland. All I can tell you is there's a lot of American soldiers on the border between Ukraine and Poland. So that is a sit and wait and see type situation. But if it's true, the implications could be very, very serious and very, very dangerous. What is it? Well, it's a rumor of war and rumors of war. And that's probably the biggest one that's taking place in the world today. On December 27th, okay, that's just a couple days ago, Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov gave the ultimatum to Ukraine, surrender territory or our army will decide it the issue, that was on the 27th. North Korea, I'm just talking about different wars and rumors of wars right now, they've decided to step into the spotlight and uh, they've been quiet for a while, but now all of a sudden they're making news. Uh, North Korea sent 19 drones over the DMZ. Is everybody with me when I say DMZ, the demilitarized zone? It's between North Korea and South Korea 
the idea is you guys can't cross it or there's trouble. Well, they sent 19 drones to North Korea over the DMZ. Two of them reached all the way to Seoul. And uh, that would qualify as uh, enticement uh, for war. At the same time, this week, China sent 70 jet fighters directly into Taiwan's airspace. Not close to Taiwan's airspace, but 70 of them. Uh, If you don't know, China's always wanted Taiwan back. And now they sent 70 jet fighters just this last week directly into Taiwan's airspace. And the U.S. says it will stand with Taiwan. Well, now they've got to stand with Taiwan, supply Ukraine with equipment and military men. It's depleting our resources by the millions. And now we've got to think about South Korea. Now we've got to think about protecting Taiwan. And now we have different rumors of war on different fronts, just like the Bible declared it would. Here's another rumor of war. Putin wants ownership of Jerusalem churches. I'm quoting the Israeli Today staff. The Kremlin surprised Israel with a new demand. Russia wants ownership of three historic churches all located on the Mount of Olives. On behalf of President Putin, former Prime Minister of Russia, Sergei Stepasfin, the man responsible on behalf of assets in Israel, he is defined as the head of the Palestinian Imperial Orthodox Society, is filing a lawsuit in an Israeli court to claim ownership of the three historical churches. On December 31st, what's the day today? January 1st. That's why I had to come into the office an hour early because these things are breaking right now. On December 31st, Putin gave the highest medal of honor to General Sergei Sorokin, I'm probably butchering the name, the commander of the Russian forces in Ukraine. My friends, that's two days ago that that happened. It doesn't sound in their mind like they see this thing coming to an end anytime shortly. It's a rumor of war. Most of you here are familiar with Amir Shafate and tensions in Israel. This is also just a couple of days old. Um, Amir has his own website. I go to it daily to see what he has to say. Some things he's very knowledgeable about and some things he has, a, some of them not as accurate as I think they should be. But he went on and he says, tensions in Israel about sending jets to destroy Iran's nuclear plants. They've been flying missions over. Um, that's the buzz in Israel right now. And as a result, um, what comes up here as important is Russia is allied with Iran because Iran is supplying drones to Russia. So now we have Iran Russia, and Turkey is also another main player here. And what we have uh, is, I'll, I'll quote Mark Walters, our response to Putin wants ownership of these Jerusalem churches and how it's just another threat to intensify what I believe is about to unfold that I believe I use, we're on the precipice of. I quote, 
December 27th, 2002, 1242 AM. Shalom. Putin wants a lot of things. Ukraine, Uh His forces will be destroyed on the mountains of Israel at Megiddo, leaving but a sixth part, of course, Putin has not read from Ezekiel 38. But nonetheless, the alliance of the Gog Magog will come to understanding all too well. What's he saying? As far as he's concerned, Ezekiel 38 is on a precipice. It's about to happen. It's not up to me, I wish it were, because Putin would not get an inch of Israeli land, period. Let's turn to Ezekiel 38. This is what I believe we're on the precipice of as we speak this New Year's Day, 2023. The reason, the best argument for this not going nuclear and both Russia and we are NATO, the United States of America really is NATO, we supply the money, we supply the, the shipments. These other nations, except for Poland um, and Germany. But what we have lining up right now, and we'll pick it up in verse one of Ezekiel 38. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, set your face against Gog in the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal, uh, cities in Russia today and prophesy against them and say, thus says the Lord God, of, Lord God, because I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaw, and lead you out with all your many horses and splendor and clothing, a great company of buck, um, bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, Libya are with them. Persia is the ancient name for modern day Iran. Ethiopia, Libya, with many of them with shields and garments, Gomer and its troops in the house of Torgamar. Now we're talking uh, Turkey, the third main lineup. From the far north and all the troops, many people are with you. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and your companies that are gathered about you and a guard for them. Notice verse eight, after many days. Now Ezekiel was writing this. After many days you will be visited in the latter years. You will come into the land that was brought back from the sword. Israel became a nation on May 14th, 1948. They were brought back. No other country has ever had that happen to them. Israel has after 2,000 years brought back from the sword and gathered many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate, and they were brought out of the nations, and none of them shall dwell safely. You will descend coming like a cloud, covering the land like a cloud, and your troops and many peoples with you. And this is um, where the Lord says he will set his face against him and he will cause uh, them to be destroyed at the mountains of Israel. I'm jumping ahead to verse 23. This I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Here's probably the most common asked question that I get. Dwight, 
Do you think we'll see Ezekiel 38 happen? And my comment is usually no, right before, during, or immediately after. But we cannot be here for the tribulation. So this war is on what I call the precipice and the hook it says, uh, you guys that are fishermen, you know what fishing's like. You, you get a hook on. Oh, and they're so anxious to get in the boat so you can uh, chop their head off and have them for supper, right? No, they don't want any part of it. But it's something that they're forced into doing. Well, now Putin is saying, we want those churches back. But we realize that um, Israel is the fourth strongest army in the world. Now, it's not very big but they have this deluge of nations according to Ezekiel 38 coming against them. When? In the latter days. What's the outcome? If you have the King James Bible, it says in chapter 39, this is a cleanup after the war. I will turn you around, verse two, and lead you on and bring you from the far north and bring you against the mountains of Israel. If you have the King James there, it says, Five-sixths of them will be destroyed and only one-sixth will remain to be able to go, go back home. I like the King James versions better. It gives more detail, but it tells us what the outcome of that war is going to be. Let's move on from wars and rumors of wars. Let's go back to Matthew 24. Then it goes on and talks about, um, in verse seven, uh, famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. And um, famines, well, because of what's happened to our economy, do you know that we're $31 trillion in debt? And that essentially we are bankrupt as far as the nation is concerned. We can't pay this back and as a result, the worst stock market results since 2008 happened this last Friday. When they looked at the end of the year, it was all over. Um, Oh, our economy is doing so well, you'll hear our news, Biden's doing such a great job. Well, inflation is off the top. We have to import our baby formula. And um, there's many places, I have friends across the country where the food shelves are out. Main, Main ingredients. You ever try to buy a steak these days? Or, or um, um, your, your fuel bill? Um, let's just talk about the border crossing for a second. I have articles that are not gonna spend a lot of time. Well, here's a headline from Fox News. Biden plans to pay illegal immigrants 480K could surpass payments to some 9-11 families. Now this was put in a proposal. I have documentation that, again, I've been scrambling the last 24 hours to get the latest. And um, I heard that this bill was passed. So not only are they stopping the illegals from coming in, but they're giving them incentives to the tune of possibly almost a half a million dollars each, and then giving them cell phones and tell them, we'll take you wherever you wanna go. And instead of closing the doors, they're opening them up. 
I told you this was going to be a Jeremiah Bible study. You, you, didn't, think, you didn't think I was serious. Um, border crossing, our economy, um, all-time low. So let's begin to think this through. I'm just touching the tip of the iceberg as we enter into 2023. Our world has changed. Jesus says when these things begin to happen, it's the beginning of sorrows. So the question that I will begin to summarize, so why are these things happening and who's behind it? And I'll tell you right up front, it's not the globalists or Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum. You know who these guys are? No, you don't. They're puppets. They're puppets to the God of this world. Satan knows that his time is short. So who's behind it? The answer, none other than Satan himself. And his other players with the big names, the globalists and the reset and so on and so forth are just puppets in his hands that he's using to accomplish his means. Turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter 12. I'm gonna pick it up with a very strange, I'm gonna tell you the first six verses here. Um, John sees a sign in heaven Um, the 12 stars, he sees a child being born. Another sign, so we have a woman, a child, and a fiery red dragon with 10 horns who drew a third part of the earth. And uh, we have this woman who has a child. To explain what's being, sometimes when there's uh, prophecies and they use symbolism, sometimes the symbolism is explained in that chapter. In this case, that's the case. Because the fiery red dragon, if you look down at verse nine, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who what? Deceives the whole world. The whole world is caught up in a deception. And it goes on to say he was cast out and his angels were cast out with him. Well, what happened? Well, look at, and I'll come back to this, verse 12 Because he's cast to the earth, therefore rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in him. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath. Why? Because he knows he has a short time. He knows. He knows he has one card to play. And so what does he do? So here's a scenario, but I want to go back to this war in heaven. When he realizes, and he knows his Bible, and he really only has one card to play. And that is, get the woman. Remember when Jesus said, you won't see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord? Israel was set on the side. They were temporarily blinded. And God opened the door for the last 2,000 years for the church. And so we read in Romans, when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, a reference to the rapture, then all of Israel will be saved. So we have a church age, and then we go all the way back to Daniel chapter 12, and what's he talking about? The last three and a half years. What is Jesus talking about in Matthew 24? When you see the abomination of desolation, then run. Why should they run? Because 
the devil himself in the form of the Antichrist is going to try the only chance that he has and let me say at this point, he has no chance. You know why? Because I've read the end of the Bible and I know exactly what's gonna happen. But we're on the precipice, we're watching these things unfold, so how late is it? So we read in verse 13, now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, first of all, imagine, we know Star Wars, right? These are angel wars. Why are they fighting? Because he knows he has little time. He's gonna try to do the best he can. He persecutes the woman who gave birth to the male child. Well, what nation gave birth to Jesus of the tribe of Judah? The woman, who is who? Israel. He's going after Israel. Why? If he can destroy Israel, there'll be no one to cry out and call on the name of the Lord. But they're supernaturally protected. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle. I think that's um, um, first century verbiage for 21st century technology. I believe it's planes and ways of getting out of Dodge real quick. Jesus said, pray that your flight isn't on a Sabbath. Just run when you see this event. That they might fly into the wilderness, the place which is nourished for notice, a time, a times, and half a times. There it is again. From Daniel to Jesus talking about it, now to it literally happening here. From the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of the mouth like a flood. I take that as an army after the woman that it might cause her to be carried away in the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keeps the testimonies of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. All right, his plan is, and his only hope is to destroy the nation of Israel and the Jewish people so they can't come and call upon the name of the Lord. The place is called Petra, where I believe they'll be secured for three and a half years. It says that the blood of Armageddon will it'll come up to the bridle, it's 12,000 furlongs long, that when the battle of Armageddon actually takes place, that's how high the blood will rise up to. It's exactly 184 miles from Haifa to Petra, 12,000 furlongs. And I think, that's interesting. And I tie it into what Jesus said, and he looked over this precipice from Nazareth. He looked at that very valley every day. And he is God in the flesh, and he knew way back then what was gonna be happening, future tense. All right, let's close this up by saying to you, Happy New Year. <laughs> With all my heart, I would like to compromise. With all my heart, I'd like to send you out with hope, and I'm gonna send you out with hope. But with all my heart, I have to tell you this, I feel like Jeremiah. Don't wanna do it. Who wants to hear stuff like this? Come on, do I just New Year's Day? Lighten up. Can't you tell us something, make us feel real happy and good? I could, 
but then I have to give an account to the Lord. And he said, you know, water it down. This is my word. You speak it, and my word will not return void. But I do want to leave you with what the Lord says for you and I. And in closing, I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And to tell you that we are supposed to know the things I talked about this morning. I'm supposed to tell you that you're supposed to be know what you're looking for. What are you talking about, Dwight? Oh, rumors of wars, pestilences, famines. I had to skip the famines part because that's something that could be inevitable. Sidetracked in talking about uh, food storage companies all over the country mysteriously disappearing, being burned, whole herds of cattle dying overnight, and go on and on and on of the strange phenomena that's happening. Verse five, chapter one, but concerning the times and the season, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. I was talking with Jerry before the study. He's witnessing an old buddy of his. And he, Jerry looked at me and says, do you realize what a minority we are in the world today because of what we know? And when we try to share it with people, um, they're so far removed from what's really going on because of our administration and our government and our news media, which happens to be owned by China itself. Do your own homework on that. And um, so he's saying, for you yourself know perfectly well that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. In other words, it's gonna be happening quickly. The day of the Lord is always a reference to um, um, time of Jacob's trouble, Daniel's 70th week, the day of the Lord. It's gonna happen real quickly. So when I say we're on the precipice, we're right at the edge, and we know that it's close, but we're seeing these things happen, and so Paul is saying here, you, sh- you guys should know these things uh, to the Thessalonians. Uh, When they say peace and safety, then comes sudden destruction upon them like labor pains in a pregnant woman. They shall not escape. I mean, when this does hit the fan, it could happen so quick uh, and we could be so close that it's gonna catch a lot of people off guard. But now he speaks to you and I, and this is what I wanna leave you with this morning. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that day should overtake you as a thief. You are sons of light and sons of the day. We're not of the night nor of darkness. In other words, uh, most of us here were here last night. Uh, Most of the world was uh, bar hopping and waiting for the ball to drop. And um, they're waking up with hangovers this morning. That's most of the world that we're living in today. They're in darkness. But he's saying for us, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, put on the helmet, the hope of salvation. Why? For God has not appointed you to wrath. Hasn't appointed us to wrath. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, whether we wake or sleep, we will live together with him, Therefore, scare one another as much as possible just as you're so doing. No, what does he say to the church? 
Know what's happening and know that you're not going to enter this period of time. He has not appointed the church to this period of time. It's the time of Jacob's trouble, not the church's trouble. Why? To refine them, to break them, to get them to call out upon their Lord. And when he, they do, what happens? He returns and he makes short work of the Antichrist and the armies of the world that come against him. We know the end of the story. So it says, therefore, take comfort. Be comforted. Uh, And make sure that you're edifying one another just as you should be doing. In other words, as we see the day approaching, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. The church, unfortunately, today has become so seeker-sensitive and wanting to appeal to you to tell you something that you really want to hear to make you feel really good, I'm sorry to start the new year out this way, but I have no choice. These are the beginning of sorrows. My question is, how patient and long-suffering is our Lord? The answer to that is, he's very patient, and he's very long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, and that we have, the time that we have is to take advantage of it and tell your friends, you want to know what's really going on from a biblical perspective? Because we're watching it right now. In Revelation chapter 3, I want to show you who you are. We read, the church of Philadelphia, and to this church he says, because you have kept my command to preserve, I will keep you from the hour of trial which will come upon the whole world. Well, what? trial could possibly come upon the whole world except the great tribulation. That's what he's referring to here. What's he saying to Philadelphia? I'm going to keep you from it. Well, how is he going to do that? I'm going to keep you from it, which will come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast what you have. In other words, 2023, straight ahead. Keep on pressing on. Keep on in fellowship. Keep on investigating what's happening and how close these things are actually taking. I read this because the church of the Philadelphia is taken out. What do, you ta- what do you mean taken out, Dwight? Well, I'm talking about the rapture of the church, the blessed hope, and I'll close with Titus 2 if you're taking notes this morning. Titus 2, verse 3 13 says, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Looking for the blessed hope and salvation of the appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, his bride, the church, zealous of good works. Then he says, speak these things, exhort Rebuke with all authority, let no one despise you, Jeremiah. (laughs) And yet, when we say these things, the fact is, people don't want these things to be. But they will be. Everything that I told you this morning, as far as prophecy goes, has to be fulfilled. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can change it. What God has said, he cannot lie, it will come to pass. The picture of the precipice right there. That's where we're at. We're standing on the precipice right now. 
When Jesus was there, what did they want to do him after hearing what I talked to you about this morning? They wanted to kill him. I hope you guys don't feel that way about me. But there are people who do. There are people who do. And we're standing at this preposition. What's interesting to me, and I, I told you I'm gonna start the Bible study and end it with this thought. Jesus just walked right through. They wanted to kill him. Well, we're, we're at the precipice right now. We're not gonna walk right through. We're gonna go up and over. Are you with me? Church of Philadelphia, I'm gonna keep you from that hour. How? Well, we're not gonna go through. We're gonna go up. That's the blessed hope that's talked about in Titus. Looking for the blessed hope. I don't want you guys starting the new year without hope. These are the beginnings of sorrows. I'm not gonna stick my head in the sand and say that these things aren't true. They are true. And it's my job not to compromise on any of it because I have to give an account. And I wanna make sure that I didn't soft pedal any of this. But I just laid it out and and now it's up to you to, to deal with it. But know this, we have hope. And we have an opportunity like never before as we stand on the precipice knowing that God has a plan. So we're going up, Jesus went through, but we're both standing on that edge right now at the beginning of 2023. How about an amen? I didn't ask for one the whole service. Amen. Let's stand and we'll close in prayer. Lord, I do feel like Jeremiah in some sense. You gave him a message. You told us to watch. And um, these days, Lord, it's hard to watch when we know the end game. Help us let loose of the, the worldly things that are keeping us down, that are keeping us from being fully committed to you. And as the scripture said, looking for that blessed hope. Um, I've lost hope as far as this world because I know what your word says, the direction it's heading in. It's not gonna get better. And uh, we don't know the time of your coming. No man knows the day or the hour. But we know we're on the precipice and we know that it's near. So we pray, Lord, as we go out on this New Year's Day 2023, I realize it's gonna be an interesting discussion over lunch. And I just pray that... um, as we contemplate and think about these things that um, uh, we would be the church of Philadelphia, not compromising with your word, even though we're little in strength and even though we're a minority, that we'd be true to you and um, look forward to that time when you take your bride home. So we acknowledge you in this coming year, pray that you guide our steps. We pray for Calvary Chapel of Appleton, those listening live stream. Um, that you would give us uh, ears to hear those things that you're wanting to speak. In Jesus' name I pray, all God's people said, Amen. amen.